Hello, friends and enemies and supporters and acquaintances and relatives. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Theology in the Raw. I've got a bunch of speaking events coming up this spring. You can check out my webpage, PressAndSprinkle.com, for all the dates and info and facts and ways to register. Um, I'll be in Orange County on February 11th and 12th. I'll be in Los Altos, California. That's the South Bay of San Francisco for a conversation with Justin Lee hosted by Spark Church. That's Spark Church, uh, spark.church forward slash sexuality scripture soul. That's the website because the speaking event is titled Sexuality Scripture and the Soul of Christianity, a ongoing dialogue between myself and Justin Lee. If you are a Patreon supporter, you get free admission to that event. So go to spark.church. Uh, forward slash sexuality scripture soul to register for that. If you're a Patreon supporter, you can go to the Patreon page. I've listed a free code for you and you can punch in that code and you get free admission to that event. I'll be in Seattle, Washington for One Day Leaders Forum, March 12th, Salem, Oregon for another One Day Leaders Forum, March 14th, Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio for another One Day Leaders Forum, April 23rd, and then at the Q Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, April 24th through the 26th. So again, PressAndSprinkle.com lists all these events. Also, CenterForFaith.com will list most of these events as well. And you can uh, get more info on how to register for those events. I could not be more excited about this episode. Do I say that about every episode? Maybe I do. Maybe maybe I should uh, downplay some, some of my other episodes. But I'm super stoked about this one. I have on the show Joshua Harris. If you are like me, a product of the 90s, a product of the purity culture, um, then you probably know the name Joshua Harris. Joshua Harris wrote a book that came out in 1997 titled, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Some of you were triggered right when I said that because um, uh, Josh's book created many waves during the late 1990s. Uh, most of the waves when, when I was, I mean, I was around then. <laughs> I was in college when the book came out. And uh, in my environment, it was w- very well received. Um, lots of people were, you know, following his advice and they started to kiss dating goodbye. And other people, though, were for lack of better terms, kind of harmed by some of the ideas in the book. I mean, Joshua wrote the book when he was about 19 or 20 years old. And, um, you know, it it took off. I mean, it sold over 100,000 copies. I don't know how many several hundred thousands of copies it sold, but it really put its mark on evangelical Christianity in the late 90s. It also contributed to and was a product of the so-called purity culture in that era. Well, Josh has had a recent change of mind about his book, uh, as you'll hear in this episode, we talked primarily about the book in, in the episode and, and kind of the aftermath uh, of it the last you know 20 years since he wrote the book. And uh, more recently, he's realized that uh, while, you know, there's some good stuff in the book and he had some good ideas, uh, it also had some unhelpful ideas and he has actually changed his mind and in, in many ways, like repented from some of the things he said in the book. So when I heard about that, I was like, man, I got to have this guy on the podcast. This is fascinating. So I had a wonderful conversation with Josh, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. He is just a down-to-earth, honest dude with tons of integrity and grace and compassion and truth and all kinds of stuff. So 
please welcome to this show for the first time, uh, Joshua Harris, author of I Kissed Dating Goodbye. friends i am here with uh i guess i could say my new friend my uh my guest in the show is uh joshua harris and uh as i said in the introduction josh is best known for writing a book that created a lot of waves and, and in some ways still cr- continues to create a lot of ways uh waves in in the church and that's uh, the book i kissed dating goodbye so josh thanks so much for being on the show um I would love, can we just go back in time to the mid nineties when I'm sure the idea for the book was percolating. You were, I think a teenager or no, like a twenties, early twenties or something when you ended up writing it. Um, what yeah. led to the writing the book and then we'll kind of trace your journey from, from there. Sure. Yeah. I, the book came out in 1997 and I, I wrote it when I was, uh, 1920 around me that was kind of the time in which these ideas were were uh, I was I was bringing them together from different sources but yeah I I was basically grew up in an in an evangelical church um I grew up in the subculture of the homeschooling movement so I've been homeschooled my whole life um there were a lot of kind of radical ideas in that world about relationships and romance you know parents talking about courtship parents talking about betrothal you know they basically were they pulled their kids out of public school and private school and they were now were having these kids grow up and and being interested in relationships and they kind of were like well we need a radical version of relationships too well I was a teen and I just thought that was ridiculous you know I wanted to date different girls in my high school youth group and I thought my parents were were nutty you know and um so I was, I went out with this girl for a couple of years in high school. And when I was 17, that relationship ended. It was sort of like this, this important spiritual, you know, milestone in my life where I wanted to get serious with God and relationships had been this, this area where I had compromised, I'd hidden stuff from my parents. We, we hadn't had sex, but we'd gone really far. And I was, then when that relationship ended, I just felt this sense of guilt. I I felt this sense of having hurt her. and the huge focus in the church at that time was, you know, true love waits, saving sex for marriage, you know, AIDS was something so scary, you know, the issue of abortion was driving a lot of the conversation around sexuality, all those kinds of things. And um, so I kind of had taken all of that in. And as I had this moment of saying, I want to get serious with God, I I took all these ideas that I'd heard from my parents and from Elizabeth Elliot's book, Passion and Purity, and I started talking about that with other teenagers in a magazine that I was publishing, and I was traveling and speaking and did a talk called I Kiss Dating Goodbye, and there was just this massive response, and that ended up becoming the idea for a book, which uh, was published when I was 21, and... uh, sort of snowballed and became this uh this huge you know in the christian subculture this cultural yeah. phenomenon so how many how many copies did, maybe did it sell in the first few years i mean it was a lot right like it really took off yeah yeah we're selling a lot yeah we're selling in, in the hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. and it i mean it, when people talk about the purity culture of the 90s and early 2000s i mean your book typically comes up was it 
both mm. a product of and maybe a, uh, an impetus towards causing or whatever the, the purity culture or um, how, how would you relate it to? Yeah, that? you know, part of my journey uh, in the last couple of years has been, you know, getting to this point where I start, I was willing to start listening to critiques of my book for a long time. I, I didn't, I kind of would just wrote that off. Like, well, these are just people who are, you know, being negative or, you know, they're not serious about God or, you know, and I just wasn't in the space of thinking about singles and dating and relationships. So I, I just was trying to move on from it. Mm. And essentially I reached this point where I realized, you know what, the stories that I'm hearing, I, I saw them when I was still pastoring, I was starting to see them in my church. Mm. And I started to see kind of the, the way that a church culture can harm people and, and, you know, damage them and how, you know, myself included as a leader, wasn't listening to people who felt hurt and excluded. And um, so I reached this point when I came to grad school, stopped pastoring and went to grad school where I I began to listen to those voices. And so part of this is the answer to your question. Part of my journey has been trying to go back and piece some of these things together and say, what shaped my thinking that caused me to write this book? Then what was the fallout from the book? Hmm. How did it influence, you know, people who read it? And how did it, how did it shape an environment? How did it shape people's perceptions of, you know, relationships and sexuality and dating and all these things? And it's been really a complicated process. It's been an emotional process because I, you know, I was so tied to this book as had Hmm. such, is such a big part of my own identity and sense of, of self for so long. It was hard for me to be honest about some of those things. But I do think that it was both shaped by the environment of, you know, the 90s that I was growing up in and the homeschool community. And then as it just took off in a massive way, it interacted with other speakers and writers and leaders. But it also was a big part of kind of popularizing some of these ideas, specifically, if you're not ready for the commitment of marriage, you should wait. You shouldn't date. Um, You should just have friendships. and um, purity was a, a big part of that, yeah. but it was also this idea of, of, you know, loving the other person sincerely, making the most of your singleness, not wasting this, this time in your life and so on. So mm-hmm. back then we didn't have the phrase purity culture, you know, it was just, right. let's be radical for Jesus. Let's, you know, for me, I think there was a lot of this youthful idealism, like, well, all these people are saying we shouldn't have sex before marriage, but then you know, I had this experience of being in this dating relationship and we're messing around in the backseat of the car. And, you know, that decision to save sex is like this last minute, like, okay, we got to stop kind of a thing. And so I was basically saying, man, we need to back this up and be like, you know, if we want to stay away from this, this line, we got to go way over here and not even date. And, you know, I, you know, I've come to see in the years since, like, I was I was adding man-made rules huh. to try to uh, you know control myself and 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 help other people, but when you when you start adding to to God's word and adding man-made rules, it it causes different kinds of harm. What yeah? Can you talk about some of the maybe some of the early pushbacks or fallout that you were hearing but weren't listening to, and then yeah, more recently when you did start listening, like what are some of the big? Because I mean, when I think about even the purity culture, I think about you know the stuff that. Uh, again, I, I admitted to you earlier that I actually haven't read the book, but I know the gist of it. It sounds like, <laughs> like I'm like, well, that's, yeah, we shouldn't have sex till we're married. Um, you know, 
maybe dating isn't the best thing for people to do if they're not ready for marriage. It seems like there's some good ideas in the book, but I can, I can probably predict, and I was a college professor for a number of years, and I, so I've experienced some of the fallout as well. But yeah, what are some of the pushbacks, some of the pain that people were, you know, experiencing as a result of the book? Yeah, well, you know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, the reality is, is that different people interacted with the book in different ways. And so for a long time, I didn't listen to some people because I had other people saying this book was healthy, this book, you know, helped me. And even to this day, there are people who say, well, listen, I read it and I just, I filtered it. You know, I took some of it and I thought other parts were kind of silly or I, you know, just kind of applied this and it helped me in these particular ways. And that's where different people's experience and backgrounds, personalities, family situations, church situations shape their experience of, of any idea or concept, you know, and I think in evangelicalism, they're, they're consistently, maybe this is just our American culture, but like fads that, that sweep through the church, you know, and, and I think my book was one of those fads. So there were some ideas that I think it was trying to counterbalance some, maybe some excesses or some problems like, yeah, you know, if you're just kind of selfishly, you know, hopping from one relationship to another in these dating relationships, like that could be a big waste of your time. And you might be misusing and harming other people, just being selfish and being a jerk. I mean, even in the secular world, people talk about like dating can be a mess, you know, yeah, <laughs> dating yeah, can yeah. be a, a, this game or whatever. So, but I came so strong in my book and I really, the rhetoric of it and the, the attempt to have a, you know, attention grabbing title, attention grabbing idea, you know, plant a flag in my book and take a strong position and, you know, be radical. You know, it's, it, again, I just thought, oh, we just need to try harder, you know, but that mentality I think can often cause us to miss, even if we give a nod to the concept of grace, when you have that kind of try harder, you know, just uh, pull yourself up and, and, you know, do this for the Lord kind of a mindset, it can be, it can become legalistic. Um, and it can also, I think, I think the one of the problems is, is that there was a lot of trying to promise, like, if you do things this way, you'll experience God's best. That's a big theme through the book. Well, uh, you know, there's a little bit of truth to that. Like, yeah, God, you know, God's word talks about the blessing that comes from obedience and all those types of things but i think the way in which my book emphasized that someone could read that and get the sense of you know what if i just check off these boxes and i do these things then my life's going to turn out in a certain way yeah. and 20 years later well you know there's there are a ton of people that are like it didn't turn out that way you know uh, yeah. i waited and i didn't get married or yeah. i did get married and my sex life was a mess or yeah. because i didn't date i had no idea what I was looking for in a spouse. And then I, you know, I made this, this courtship so serious so quickly, I ended up marrying somebody without really knowing them as well as I should. I felt pressured to get married because I didn't want to like, you know, just date aimlessly. Right? right. So you have all these stories of people going, man, you know, this shaped my thinking. It caused me to fear relationships with the opposite sex. It caused me to, to not, you know, get into, healthy dating relationships. And, um, and then I think there's the whole category of how this, how my book talking about dating in, you know, mingled with, you know, the way the church was talking about sexuality, which I think 
part of what the you know the the focus and the critique of purity culture and i don't i don't even pretend to be the best like representative of of talking about that but the majority of our discussion around sex is about forbidding it's right. about warning it's about danger and when you when a person takes that kind of emphasis and then tries to you know really do things the right way and really guard their eyes and make sure that they're not thinking sexual thoughts and all those kinds of things you can develop like real hang-ups yeah. and unhealthy views of sexuality because it's fear-based mm-hmm. you know there's no celebration of the goodness of sexuality and there's you know there's no kind of guidance for how do you you know just you know view yourself as a sexual creature recognize that that's something that god created um not tie yourself up in knots and condemn yourself when you when you you know experience failure in different forms or whatever you know just yeah. just kind of the he- a healthy life uh, life of a, of a disciple a lot of that can be missed and i think yeah. all of that added up to a lot of people feeling really damaged so everything you've said in the last few minutes is that really in the last just two or three years that you've been kind of putting all these thoughts together yeah, definitely or, definitely oh, wow. that, so were you pastoring while you were kind of starting to shift your view or rethink some things um well i pastored for 17 years and i i, I stopped uh about three and a half years ago to, to yeah. go to graduate school in in vancouver bc in canada um on the tail end of my time of pastoring there i started to okay. kind of put things together and see you know what there were there were aspects of our church culture and the way that we'd led that had that it hurt people and we started to listen to those people and apologize in different ways you know where we just had these standards where you need to do things this way you need to educate your kids this way if your kids rebel you're not a good parent i mean we would never come out and say those things but that was kind of the church culture and um and and just heavy-handed leadership many times yeah and so it was only when i stepped away from that that i was able to I think be more, I wasn't protecting an institution in the same way. I didn't feel all this kind of, kind of political pressure to, you know, to uh, defend everything. I was more just willing to engage with, with people. Okay. Oh, that's fascinating. What was it hard leaving uh, the pastorate or has it been like a refreshing break? Always. It was hard on many levels, but you know, I, it was going to to graduate school, you know, studying studying at, at a you know a graduate school of theology, where I just I realized I didn't want to be a pastor anymore. So that was <laughs> that was yeah, it was kind of was totally backwards. I didn't I didn't do that formal training on the front end. Yeah. I pastored for seventeen years, and then you know just was completely burnt out and worn out, and huh. experienced you know failure in different ways as a leader, you know a ton of like church political turmoil and all these different things. And got to this point where I was like, I need a break. And so a sabbatical became going to graduate school. And in that context, just kind of being able to be honest with myself of, man, I don't even want to do this anymore. <laughs> but that was that was hard for me to admit because, you know, it was it was kind of, you know, this I was all wrapped up with my sense of calling and mm-hmm. and identity. Yeah. And so it was hard to admit that because I knew it other people expected me to keep pastoring. Do you, do you think you'll go back to pastoring or is it just kind of up in there right now? Or is it a definite no? I would say it's a definite no, but, oh, yeah. but who knows? Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, curious why you picked, and I want to come back to the, some of the stuff with the book again, but um, yeah, curious why you picked Regent. Re- Regent's one of my favorite graduate schools. It's <laughs> top five that I always recommend. So I'm curious why you uh, 
Yeah, I had uh, some really dear friends, Matt and Julie Canlis, who had attended Regent okay. and knew me well and kind of knew my, my story well. And I went on a trip with Matt to Scotland um, where we stayed in this monastery and, oh. you know, did this like prayer retreat. And, and I was right in the point where I was just trying to figure out what am I, what am I going to do in, in my role at the church? And he and Julie really just sat me down and said, wouldn't it be great for you to have focused time of study? Regent would be such a great fit for you. Hmm. And um, so that's how I ended up deciding to, to yeah. go to Regent. It's been a yeah. good, good experience. It was great. You know, it was, it allowed me to, um, you know, I think stay sharp, be challenged intellectually, mm -hmm. um, learn a ton, um, and interact with, you know, Christians from, from all different kind of streams yeah. of the, you know, of Christianity, which was really healthy for me. Cause I'd been in a context where it was just very, you know, narrow. We read these people, we yeah. hang out with these people. This is our tribe. Yeah. And I, I, everything I, I learned about the church and, and theology had been in one place. And I, I felt like I needed something a little bit broader. Would you say you've, um, if I can, if you, if you don't mind sharing, have you, have you, I don't want to say left. Well, yeah, I'll just say left. You could maybe use a different <laughs> word. Have you left that kind of brand of Christianity that you were a part of for so many years or just expanded maybe your, your thinking a bit or? Uh, I would say I've left it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, how, how do you identify now? Do you have a, a denomination or a, a, any kind of a flavor of Christianity that you could put? Uh, you know, I, I think I, for so long, I've been kind of, you know, um, in that sort of, this is my tribe sort of yeah. mindset and that I'm super hesitant to, to jump <laughs> into any other tribe. <laughs> I mean, we attend a, a, a small Baptist church uh, that's, that's local here, but yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't really identify in any particular way. Yeah. What are, whatever happened to CJ Mahaney? And I, you know, I don't need any inside scoop, but just whatever's public. I literally don't even, I, I know there was some fallout with the church or something. But. Yeah. There was a huge, there was a huge kind of blow up in our denomination and there was a lot of personal pain in that for me. Hmm. Um, but he is pastoring in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. So in the, in the, in Sovereign Grace? Yes, I I I don't know all the all the details of how things are going there, but that's where he is. Are you in relationship with him anymore, or is it? No. No, I really don't have any relationship with with uh, anyone in Sovereign Grace or really? or any connections there anymore. No. Do they see you as kind of like a black sheep? Would you say, or is it an amicable amicable? Uh, uh, no, I think there would be a lot of very negative views of me um, and disappointment in me for yeah. sure. Wow. Um, how, so over the years, since, since you wrote uh, I Guess Dating Goodbye, and you said, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of positive, obviously. I mean, tons of people are buying the book, but also, you know, some criticism and even maybe some yeah. personal, like, pain and, and stuff that people are like, man, this, yeah. what you said in the book actually led to these things and pain. Mm -hmm. how, did you ha how did you handle that? Was that emotionally pretty trying or do you have a pretty thick skin that didn't, you didn't let it get to you or? Well, I think once I opened the door to listening to people, it was it was a pretty emotional and difficult process for me. Hmm. Um, because it's just hard to admit you're wrong, hmm. you know, especially when it's something that um, is tied to your sense of success, 
-hmm. you know, your sense of identity. This is the, this is a book that made me a, a best-selling author, you know, mm -hmm. and that was something I was really proud of. It was, it would, that, that, uh, accomplishment was something that gave me a sense of, you know, significance. And this is, this is what I've done. And so to question that and, um, interact with people who had been hurt, you know, I mean, I had, I was, it was a roller coaster for me. I'd have days where I was just like, you know, super down, mm. um, just feeling so sad over it. Other days where I'm being defensive and just mm. like ticked off at people like you're blaming me for too much, you know, that, yeah. that, it's like, it was a real roller coaster. So part of the story is that when I was at, um, Regent, I met, um, a, a young woman named Jessica Vander Weingard who was from Australia. Uh, we were working on a documentary school project uh, with one of our professors, uh, Ewan Russell Jones, who was a, a BBC documentary producer before he became a, a professor at Regent. And um, she wanted to make a documentary about Christian dating. Hmm. And she had read my book as a teenager, loved it, uh, got to her, you know, mid twenties and was like, wait a second, I'm not married. This didn't work out. And so she was at a place of, um, really being really disappointed and ticked off at, at me and my book. And then she meets me at Regent oh, wow. <laughs> and we're fellow students. And, uh, so it started out with her saying, Hey, would you be interviewed in my documentary? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then she came to me and said, uh, I think, you know, she heard about me listening to people who were critiquing my book and she said maybe the story here is actually your journey hmm. of reevaluating your book and to be honest I was like so scared by that idea I turned her down at one point um and 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 but it ended up coming back around where I just I realized for myself it's like I wrote this book that influenced all these people how do I possibly like get back to people and tell them that my thinking has changed hmm. Um, how do I do that publicly? And and then I also felt like, you know what, if it's just me kind of going off, you know, up a mountain, like I'm going to rethink my book and then come back down with like, okay, I've rethought my book and here's the new, you know, here's the new law or whatever. Here's the new perspective. Like that's not going to be healthy. Right. And so I felt like, you know what, there's so many people that have been influenced by my book and have grown up in this culture you know, Jessica's idea for a documentary is a way to involve people. It's a way to capture their voices. It's a way to listen to different people. And it's also was a way to show the fact that, you know what, we all at different times need to go on a journey of, of learning, rethinking, refining. And so we ended up crowdfunding this um, documentary. We made it our thesis project for school. We, it was all, you know, done by students, volunteer students funded by people who believed in the project. It was a crazy, messy, you know, journey. But um, that kind of captured my story of reevaluating. And, and that wow. process of the documentary was, was very emotional. There was a, there was a yeah. lot of, um, you know, ups and downs for me and for the whole team, honestly. Uh, what's the name of the documentary? The documentary is called I Survived, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And it's been released by uh, Exploration Films. Okay. Um, and it's, it's completely free. Uh, it's, it, you know, people can, um, go to, they can just search for I survived, I kissed yeah. goodbye and they can go to exploration films and, um, get a link to, to watch okay. it and stream it online. It's on Amazon prime in the U S okay. so people can, can access it that way. When did it come out? 
Uh, we just released it in uh, in November of 2018. Oh. oh wow! So just recently. Yeah. So so when yeah. people, when people when people hear the name Joshua Harris and when you interact with people, are they aware of your your shift, your change of view, or do they still think, oh, here's the I guess just dating goodbye person or? Well, I mean, that's the reason I'm I'm coming on your podcast, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> I've been I've been trying to get the word out. Um, yeah. And it's been tough because, you know, even in that, I've gotten a lot of criticism, which I understand. People are just like, why don't you shut up? You know, like, we don't want to hear from you anymore. Yeah. And and I get that. But I, I feel a sense of, like, obligation to, you know, try to spread the word of my own rethinking. People, I just want people to think for themselves. You know, yeah. I want them to wrestle with these ideas themselves. But um, I've been doing a lot of media and a lot of interviews just to try to, to, to spread that so that when people, you yeah. know, hear about this book that they will come, they'll hear about the documentary, they'll read, you know, I've released a statement on my website where I'm saying, here's where my thinking has changed. And, um, you know, that, that my publishers agreed to stop publishing the book. So it's, it's being discontinued and, and won't be reprinted. That's crazy. Like you, and that was your choice. You, you wanted the book to be different. Yeah, you know, it was actually a really, um, it was kind of a, a crazy process because, you know, I'm working on this documentary and my publisher is just, they're great. I mean, they've, they've been really kind to me over the years, but they were getting a little nervous, like, hey, can we see this documentary? Like, what are you going to say in this, you know? And, and, and we at the documentary team, Jessica, who's the director and producer and, and I were kind of like, well, we don't really know where it's going to end. I mean, that's the whole point of the documentary is we were trying to capture a journey. We didn't know you know, exactly where I was going to land in, in thinking about the book. So I kept delaying them and delaying them. And then finally, we had this rough cut. And we said, okay, we need to send it to the publisher. And, and so I sent it to them. And I'm just thinking, like, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? And um, I actually have a, uh, my, my book agent, who is a great guy, he, he talked to me before. And he's like, man, you know, we're going to have this phone call with the publisher. And honestly, I don't, you know, I mean, they could want to like sue you because you're, you know, you're basically publicly undermining this book that you had this contract with them. And I'm like, what? I didn't even have that as a category of possibility. Yeah. I just like, you know, I was like, is that for real? But we got on the, the call with them and um, they just were amazing. They said, you know what, we watched this documentary and we really, we really believe in what you're doing that you're mm. trying to, you know, to help people. And um, we feel like the best way that we can support you is to, you know, is to discontinue publishing the book. Wow. And um, that was just like mm. a huge moment for me. It was both, you know, it was sweet and that I felt like that was the right decision mm. in light of the, the critique and the, and the flaws that I saw in my book. But then it was also like, you know, sort of the little funeral for me of sorts. So <laughs> Do you yeah. still get people that aren't aware of your change of view and they still still get maybe emails of people in pain or blaming you? Like, do you still get that kind of criticism or? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I hear all kinds of different things. People who, yeah, who don't know about this or, mm -hmm. or people who know about it and, and just think it's really inadequate and that I, you know, they, mm -hmm. they, so it, it's, it's just so many people that have been affected in different ways. Yeah. And what about people that, I, within evangelicalism, I can imagine um, some people, they don't have a category for like changing your view. So like the fact that mm. now you're saying, I don't, I disagree with several things that I said, like, yeah, I can imagine they might write you off or not see that as, I mean, I, just so you know, I see that as a, a massive uh, testimony of integrity and humility and mm. wisdom. 
I mean, if you knew everything about sexuality and relationships at 19, then goodness. <laughs> um, I mean, the fact. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, I think I think the answer is I think there are people who you know are concerned that you know that I would rethink these things, or they or they still agree with with the core ideas, and so they oh. view it as you know buckling under pressure. You know, why are you? I get those kind of emails oh. a lot. You know, why are you selling out? Why are you just caring about, you know, trying to please people, that kind of a thing. Um, but, you know, I think that that's, I think that is a testimony to, um, I do think it's a, it's a hard thing to, for the church or for, for authors or leaders to admit when they've gotten things wrong. And then in a nuanced way to explain that. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we just sort of move on and we don't deal with it. We kind of just start saying something different or we, we adjust what we said and we kind of downplay what was, what happened in the past. But, you know, I, I think that that, I don't think that that uh, takes into account all the people that followed and bought into something. And it's like their life is affected and, they're understandably like, wait a second, like I, I made decisions that shaped my whole life and, you know, there, there can be a, you know, a, a lot of anger and pain. How's the documentary been received so far? Have you gotten some feedback or? Um, yeah, I mean, we've gotten, you know, all kinds of uh, critique, people who just think it's poorly made or <laughs> people who think, you know, it didn't, it didn't, we didn't interview the right people or didn't go far enough with ideas huh. or, um, you know, didn't apologize strongly enough for all those kinds of things. Um, but then there've been, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of, this is the feedback that, that is most encouraging to me, um, where people have said, you know what, this helped me process pain in my life. It helped me realize where I've changed. It's given me encouragement that it's possible to rethink things. Um, and, and it's been healing. I've heard that from, you know, from a handful really? of people and that's been super encouraging. Or even just people saying, you know what? I didn't realize how much that that era and that culture shaped me in, in, in negative ways. And you processing those things helped me to realize that and, and now is helping me to kind of filter through and, and adjust my thinking. Gosh, you can't put a price tag on that. That's, that's yeah, that must be super encouraging to hear that. That's, yeah, that's, it's, yeah, that is really encouraging. Yeah, it's like they're they're mapping their journey onto your own journey and and processing together. Well, I'm excited to watch it. So Amazon Prime, it's it's yeah. Right when we set up this podcast interview, I remember googling around. I'm like, oh wait, he he's got a documentary and he's changing his mind on some things. Like, <laughs> really cool, man. So, um, well, yeah, I uh, I hope you enjoy it when you watch it. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Oh, oh, one more thing we got to mention, your company. Uh, why don't you give a quick pitch? Oh. You did, just just oh, so yeah. audience knows, uh, Josh did not ask <laughs> you this, but I always like to uh, um, advertise whatever ministry or company or organization that my, uh, my guests are, are doing. So yeah, take it away. What, what are you pursuing these days? Oh, that's kind of you. Yeah, I, uh, I started a business called Clear and Loud dot com it's where you can uh, learn about it but basically i do marketing and brand strategy so i i help companies that are having trouble connecting with their customers and they're just not being clear in their messaging and that's coming through on their website or they're just not growing the way they want and i uh 
use my background of communication and storytelling to to help them be more clear with their message and uh, hopefully improve their uh, and just grow as a company. So it's been a lot of fun. I work with people in all different industries and um, all kinds of organizations. And I, I love storytelling. I love the power of words. And uh, I've learned, to, learned a lot from that over the years. So I know I get to try to help other people with their message. And it's, it's very similar. You were telling me earlier with uh, Don Miller's uh, story brand. Um, oh, exactly. Well, I'm a story brand guide. So Don Miller is one of my oldest friends and I got mm -hmm. certified in his story brand framework, which um, mm -hmm. if you, you know, haven't, have you haven't heard uh, the story brand podcast uh, or read Don's book, building a story brand, it's just a great resource for, for companies that are mm -hmm. having trouble with marketing. And uh, so I use that framework and yeah. I, I walk people through that and help companies with that. So how did you get to know Don? So you guys go way back? Before. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, we, uh, we met each other at a, at a Christian camp in Colorado. He was going from Texas to Oregon. I lived in Oregon. So we met at the camp. He was a counselor. I was a dishwasher. <laughs> and when he moved to Portland, um, I was like one of the few people that he knew. And so no, we ended up working together. We used to do conferences together. We both kind of dreamed of, of writing books. And I mean, he's just an amazing, amazing writer. Now he's an amazing business leader just yeah. building an incredible business but uh he's been a really dear friend to me oh that's cool i've never met him i i when i read when i read his stuff and just look at what everything he does like oh i so resonate with so much that he's that he's for you know yeah i mean he's yeah. uh, the the story brand work that he's doing is is really incredible i mean using the the key elements of story to help businesses really clarify their message and yeah. uh he he does a great job. He's a great guy. You should have yeah. him on your podcast. <laughs> I should. Maybe I'll, I'll. Well, if you can if you can connect us, that'd be that'd be amazing. Some of those guys. Absolutely. Are yeah. Um, and so so okay. So you gave the uh, what's the website again for your company? And then do you have a personal website too? Or um, yeah, the website for my company is clearandloud.com. 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 Yeah. Um, and then also I have a, a my kind of my personal website is joshharris.com, and okay. people can go there and get access to the documentary. Mm -hmm. um and uh you know learn about this stuff that i've written about my book so okay but they can't buy your book unless they find it at a at a used bookstore right? <laughs> well you know unfortunately it's going to be uh available for like one penny on amazon used for a long time but yeah. uh, what can you do <laughs> josh thanks so much for being on the show really appreciate it hey, man. great to be with you thanks for the conversation